0: Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we kick off our brand new series, Starting Over. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us at the Yellow Box on Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right, good morning, community, how we doing? Good, yeah? I'll tell you what, um, I just wanna say thank you very much, Janelle and the whole Compassion team, thank you very much, and um, Janelli's 25 years old. I got kids that are 26, 23, and 18. And I'll tell you, it'd be a tragedy if any of my kids, right, or your kids, had to grow up and wonder about where they're getting enough to eat, or they're getting an education, or even the opportunity to dream to become a doctor we got 169 kids out there that need sponsors. There's no reason we couldn't settle that within what's in this service right here. All right, so Sue and I sponsor two Compassion Kids. I would strongly encourage you. Just be a part of that, all right? And let's thank them one more time. Just thank you so much. That's great stuff, man, I'm telling you. All right. Um, One of the things that that we all have in common here are uh, our our regrets, right? Um, Like cheering for the White Sox this year. Thank you very much. Uh, we all got regrets. Some are big, some are small, some are in the distant past, right? Some of them are very, very current. But I think we pause long enough to reflect, okay? If we just kind of slow down, slow down, slow down, we all have them. Um, as I was working on this talk, I wanted to uh, start with kind of, because regret's kind of a heavy topic, I wanted to start with some kind of lighthearted, funny story. And I was kind of having a hard time fun, coming up with a lighthearted, funny story. So I texted my wife, Sue, and I said, hey, hey, Sue, I need kind of a lighthearted, funny story to start. This topic of regrets on. Got anything for me? I mean, like within seconds. Within seconds, she's texting me back with smiley face emojis, which means she's laughing at me. And then she says this, like, uh, oh, how about, how about the time you took me home after a date and you tried to be spiritual while praying together and you held my hand and you prayed, God, thank you so much for Peggy, your previous girlfriend. Do you regret that? (laughs) Smiley face emoji. (laughs) Or or how about? Or how about the time? How about she she goes on? How about the time? One of the first times you were at my parents' house. Their very nice house. You forgot to put the oil cap on your car, and it leaked oil all over my dad's very nice textured concrete driveway. And then you tried to solve it by getting the hose and just spraying the oil all over the rest of the driveway. (laughs) Regret that? Smiley face emoji. And then came one more, she's like, or how about the time you went to visit the guy in the hospital who had weight reduction surgery, a pastoral visit, he had his stomach stapled and you were trying to be encouraging when you said, ooh, I bet that took a lot of guts. <laughs> Smiley face emoji. And I was like, okay, enough, 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 thank you very much, enough regrets, okay? Um, there are some regrets that we have we can laugh at, Right? And there's some regrets that we can't laugh at because either it's just too soon or, or, or candidly, it's just, it's, just, it's just too painful. There's a website, and you could check this out if you wanted to, called secretregrets.com where people publicly post their regrets, things they might never, ever say out loud, and I just grabbed a few. Here, here's some of them. Things like, you know what? I regret marrying my husband just three weeks ago. I should have called it off before I walked down the aisle. I'm 23 years old, and I just haven't had the time to learn to love myself yet. Someone else posted this and said, my biggest regret is that when I was given the opportunity to go to USC for screenwriting, I didn't, not what I did, why well, I didn't take the chance. Someone else wrote this. They said, my regret is this, not telling people how he hurt me. And now, if he's hurting other people, I feel like it's my fault. And I'm telling you, you can read through this stuff on this site, and, it's, and some of it, it is, just, it is just gut-wrenching. Now, I think this is, True. We all have regrets. Some of them big, some small, some in the distant past, some in the present. But every one of them is unique. And as we try to kind of take, get a hold of this topic of regret, I think you can kind of break it into three different categories. There's some regrets that I would call this. I would call them regrets of action. Okay, regrets of action. Those things that kind of make us smack ourselves on the forehead and go like, "Ah, oh, I wish I'd never." And you can fill in the blank. I wish I'd never, and then th- that lie that you told. That relationship, however long ago was, that you torpedoed. The dumb choices you made, the rage you unleashed, the money you blew, the addictions that you fed. And I'll tell you, there, there have been plenty of times for me where I, I've said stuff, right? And I'm trying to grab those words and just shove them right back in my mouth, right? Regret of action. Then there's also another category. I call them regrets of, uh, it's a little different, inaction. In, in the Book of Common Prayer, there's this prayer that, that goes like this. Check this out. It says this. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against thee in thought, word, and deed. And check this out. By what we have done and also by what we've left undone. There's what we've done, which are regrets of action. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. And also what we left undone. Oh, things I wish I would have done that I never did. And maybe what comes to mind is opportunities we missed, so much time wasted, risks, the older you get, risks, risks I didn't take, or, or love left unexpressed, or words that weren't spoken, or even forgiveness, maybe that we Withheld. As I did a little homework on this, it's fascinating. Researchers actually tell us in the short term, in the short term, we tend to regret something that we did, action, regrets. But in the long term, the older we get, we tend to, we tend to regret more the inaction, something that we didn't do, we wish we would have done. And it's this that gave us the famous poem. You'll probably to help me out with the end. It says this, for all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these, what? It might have been, right? It might have been. That's a regret of inaction. Now, typically, we kind of think of regrets in those two categories, but I think we'd have to add a third category to this, because there's sometimes the regrets that come from hurtful things that were done to us, and we're going to call these regrets of reaction, things that were done to us or things that happened to us, like that accident that I was in, or for unexplainable reasons, the, the illness I got, or a little differently, the abuse that I took, Or how neglected I was. The rejection I felt. Or maybe the betrayal I experienced. And here's the thing, hear me on this. When bad things happen to us that never should have happened. God never intended to happen. Quite naturally, what we feel, and it's, it's a weird feeling, but we regret them. And sometimes it's these regrets of reaction. These are the ones that hurt the most. I want to introduce you to uh, to Jackie Ariano. Some of you know Jackie from here at Community, but uh, she knows regret.
1: Hi, my name is Jacqueline, and this is my starting over story. My mother migrated from Guatemala uh, to the United States, and I was born in Boston. Uh, When I was two, we moved to Chicago after my parents had separated. My mom was pretty much the entryway to all our family from Guatemala to migrate to, to the United States. So we never had a home where it was just a mom and dad and the kids. It was cousins, aunts, uncles, um, and so on, and neighbors from back home. Because of that, there was a access uh, to a lot of abuse uh, for a child, and, and physically or emotionally and sexually. I kind of found myself in, in a sexual abuse situation from about four to about 12. At the age of 12, I told my mom, you know, what had happened. I don't believe that she didn't believe me. I don't I believe that she didn't want to believe me. And so, not growing up with my father, I think that's what what made me gravitate to certain people that were not good for me and that just set me up to have a failed relationship after a failed relationship after another failed relationship because i was always searching for that fatherly love for me it wasn't like why why did you leave my mother it was why didn't you protect me you know when i was a child the reason that it all kind of came to light is because i had started a relationship with a man and that's where it all came back and i had to tell this man and i was 12 that that he wasn't the first one to touch me in in the way that that was happening. And so this man um, was eight years older than me. Um, And at the time I decided to start a relationship with this man that was eight years older than me, um, who became the father of my child. I was 16 when I got pregnant. I was 17 when I had him. Three months later, he was after he was born, I left this man when I turned 18. Still dealing with the anger and still dealing with the self-destruction because I was still doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. But I was still very present in parenting. Go to work, uh, come home, be the single mom, put him to bed, and then go out at night. And then come back home before Devon woke up. And so that was kind of like my routine from like, Thursday to Sunday. Growing up as a child, we knew about God, and we heard about God. I kind of knew, you know, you have the, the the notion that there is a higher being, but there is no relationship, there's no example, or anyone really teaching that to me.
0: I don't know if you heard this in... And Jackie's story now, but regret, here's what regret does. It creates a dynamic inside of us that's uh, what we call the sorry cycle. Okay, it's where we're, we're sorry about what happened, we're, or maybe we're sorry about what we did, and we're sorry about the situation, and, we, and candidly, we feel sorry for ourselves. And, and, and it creates, and these, and these regrets, okay, that come, create longings inside of us. Longings for, for love, uh, longings for, for the, the fill and emptiness, and then we end up doing things that we regret anymore. And then those, those regrets again, then they create a different, so we try something different to, to satisfy those longings of regret. And we find ourselves over and over again, longing, regret, longing, regret, longing, regret. And for a lot of us, it becomes this downward spiral. Psychologists have a term for what they call the sorry cycle. They call it rumination, where we, we, we kind of we act on it or we, or we, or we chew. It's kind of like a cow chewing on its cud. We do this thing over and over and over again. Clinical psychologist Melanie Greenberg she put it this way: Regrets can have a damaging effect on our minds and our body when regret turns into rumination and self blame, and it keeps us from fully engaging in life. All right, here's what I want to ask you. Okay, here's the question for you. And and if you're going to get the most out of our time together, here's the question: What regrets did you bring with you today? Because here's my my hope and my desire is I don't want any of you to get stuck in the sorry cycle. I don't want any of you to stay in the sorry cycle. And, and that's why I'm so excited about this series we're gonna do for, the next, for this week and the next four weeks. It's a series for people like Jackie. It's a series for people like me, okay? And I think it's a series for people just like you because I think every all of us have regrets. And, 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 and I would encourage you in a few ways. I would encourage you, like, like, uh, like Ian said, go ahead and get the book. But even more importantly, I would encourage you, get involved in a small group. Get in a, get in a small group for the next five weeks and deal with some of this stuff. I'm telling you, it will be a powerful experience for you. And make sure you're here. Now, here's, here's what I want to talk about. One of the guys who learned this lesson, we can go right back to scripture, was a guy named Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest friends. What we're gonna do is we're gonna look at two different scenes from, from, Jesus life and how G, from Peter's life and how Jesus helped Peter start over. Okay, so we start with scene number one. Scene number one, Peter is standing there warming himself by a charcoal fire. He's amongst guards, curious bystanders. He's outside the high priest's home. To set the stage, Jesus has just been arrested. He's been dragged before religious leaders. He's now bound. And tension, okay, tension fills the air. Everyone knows that violence is soon to follow. Just a few hours before, Peter had boasted, okay, by declaring, oh, I'll follow Jesus to the death. But now around that fire, the smoke fills his nostrils. He's nervous. He tries to blend in. And he anxiously watches to see what's going to happen next. Suddenly somebody spots him and says, hey, aren't you one of his followers? You're one of them. Hey, you, I know you. You are one of them. His response immediately is simply this. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not one of Jesus' followers. I have no idea what you're talking about. And in that exact moment, if we go to the Gospel of Luke, Luke 22, it says this. It says, At that moment, the Lord turned, okay, Jesus is here, Peter's here, and looked at Peter, and suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Okay, here's what it feels like. We're talking about this thing called regret. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll obey, you will deny three times that you even knew me. He remembers this. And it says, Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Right there around that charcoal fire, instantly, Peter feels the flames of bitter regret. In that moment, okay, he, he can't believe what he's done. Jesus, Jesus is one of his best friends. And one of his best friends, he abandoned, he abandoned him in his most desperate hour. And what happens next? If we follow the storyline, what happens next is Jesus gets condemned, Jesus gets beaten, Jesus crucified, and Jesus dies. Now, now think about him being your best friend. Can you imagine the regret that, that Peter's soul, okay, feels? as he sees his closest friend laid to rest. And even when Peter gets the good news about Jesus coming back to life, you know, I mean, that's great news, but he can't fully embrace it because he knows what happened back in the day, right? And many of us, we can kind of imagine what that felt like. The circumstances are different. Maybe it's not quite as drastic, but we know the sting, right? We know the sting of regret burning in our souls. Now, Here's what's so fascinating. Peter could have got stuck in that moment in time, like many of us have. But Jesus wouldn't let him. So now we go to scene number two. In scene number two in Jesus' story, we find Peter on a lake. He's out fishing with some of the other guys. When one of the guys spots spots a figure on the shore and says, It's Jesus. No sooner does John say, It's Jesus, than Peter, he's out of the boat and he's swimming to the shore. That's how Peter is, right? Reactive, impetuous, in the moment. He's swimming towards the shore, towards Jesus. As he approaches the shore, a familiar smell comes into his nose. It's a charcoal fire again. A charcoal fire again. And there's Jesus cooking breakfast over a charcoal fire. You ever notice how smells have a way of bringing back memories? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, just, just the smell of, 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 a, of, a, of a warm crescent roll <laughs> makes me think, oh, it must, be, it must be Thanksgiving at mom and dad's. Or even, or the smell of hot chocolate almost brings me back to when I was a kid and school would be canceled, right, in Chicago because of a snow day and you'd stay home and have hot chocolate. Or the smell of rotting produce tells me my wife is gonna tell me to take out the garbage any moment, right? <laughs> smells, smells kind of, they, there's memories, right? And they often evoke emotions along with them, don't they? Well, there's only two times that charcoal fires are mentioned in all in Scripture, scene one and scene two with Peter. So the smell of the trail fills the air as Jesus serves him breakfast. And now it's time for a conversation. Here's what he says After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, they finished up breakfast. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. And then Jesus says, Then feed my lambs. Then feed my lambs. All right, kind of an odd conversation, right? But I want you to notice a couple of things. Not once, okay? Because I, I actually cut down the scripture. Not once, not twice, but three different times Jesus asked the question, do you love me? Think about that three times. Not once, not twice, but three different times Peter responds with the affirmative, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. I think there's three questions and three responses to perfectly correspond to what? Peter's three denials. And what Jesus is doing in this moment, he's doing this thing, he said, okay, we're gonna start over. Peter, you can start over. I'm telling you, you can start over. And here's how, he start, here's, here's how he helps Peter start over. And this is what's gonna be helpful to you. Okay, first of all, what Jesus does in that moment, he confirms the relationship. He confirms the relationship to these guys because he says, do you love me? And when he says, do you love me, it's kind of this priceless reassurance because I still love you, Peter. Do you love me? Because I still love you. I need to know. I want to co- reconfirm this relationship. Because see, here's the di- thing. When you know you're loved unconditionally, we all have the courage to face our regrets. I love it that Jesus didn't chastise Peter. He didn't re- re- rehash what had happened. He and he also doesn't blow it off as no big deal. But instead, what he does, he conveys his love and gives Peter the opportunity to affirm him back. And he confirms this relationship. The next thing that happens, though, and this is also important, so he confirms the relationship, but the second thing, not only does he confirm the relationship, but he also confirms his purpose, Peter's purpose. After each affirmation, he says to Peter, then feed my sheep. Now you're going like, okay, that's weird. But remember this, Jesus called himself the good shepherd, right? He called himself the good shepherd, and so what he actually was doing here, he was commissioning Peter, I want you to join me in my mission, And by doing that, he's saying to Peter, Peter, listen, you still have a purpose to fulfill. You are not disqualified. I am not done with you. I need you. I want you to lead and care for my followers. And I'm telling you, this second scene here between Jesus and Peter is one of the most spectacular interchanges in all the Bible. Because Jesus refuses to let Peter get stuck in the sorry cycle. He confirms the relationship, and he also confirms Peter's purpose and calling. And here's what I want you to understand today. Okay, please get this. What Peter, okay, what Jesus, rather, what Jesus did for Peter, he wants to do for you. What Jesus did for Peter, he wants to do for you. And I'm telling you, if you are stuck with regret, big or small, distant or present, What he's saying to you today, hear these words, okay? This is why God brought you here today, I believe. He wants you to hear this. I love you no matter what. Nothing can ever change how I feel about you. I want to confirm that relationship. He's also saying this to you. Hear this. As though it's God speaking to you specifically. You are not damaged goods. That's in the past. You can start over. And I have a plan and I have a purpose for your life. And what Jesus did for Peter. He wants to do for you. And just like Peter, um, it was when uh, Jackie met Jesus that she got unstuck from her regrets. Let's hear the rest of her story.
1: During that time, um, I met a man who gave me a chance and that was the beginning of a career change, a lifestyle change. I started caring more about my job and my son and my well-being than the partying, the drugs, and the alcohol. My oldest sister, um, her name is Shenny. She goes to work one Wednesday evening and suffers a brain aneurysm rupture. And by Friday, she was declared brain dead. And so that was the biggest earthquake of my life. I had lost my best friend. my cheerleader. So that rocked me. And I didn't know how to deal with this but to suppress it, just to ignore it. Eight months later, I have a mental breakdown and I decide I'm done. And so I attempt suicide January. Two days later, after I come out, my nephew Steve collapses um, at work. He needed a new kidney. And so... When I learned about the living donor, I put my name on the list. He needed a second chance at life, and I think I needed a second chance at life, a purpose. And so I think God uses this to give me my second chance. I called my mom, and I said, Mom, i got to go to church. And so I go to church that Friday, and I ask for prayer. I was very scared. I was terrified. And so I asked God into my life and I told him, I asked Jesus, if you are real, if God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is all real, then give me this. Give me him healthy, me healthy, and then we're going to walk out of this operation on Monday together. I told him, I will be yours. I will give my life to you. I will serve you. So you make me useful. And... and we walked out on Monday. After the surgery and, and seeing that he did come through for me, I said, okay, well, this is serious. <laughs> so I started learning, and I just dug myself into Scripture. That started a journey of healing for me. Every day is an opportunity for me to start over. Um, every day I still mess up. Every day I can probably still go back to think about those things. It's not over. Mm. But but I have a choice to start over every day. Every morning.
0: I guess I can say I'm, I'm particularly proud of Jackie, and if, if, for those of you who know Jackie or Ariano, um, she's also the campus pastor wife out of our, our campus in Aurora, and uh, a girl, young ladies make a huge difference in a lot of people's lives, and here's, here's what happens, okay? What happens is for, for a lot of us, we see regret as kind of a finish line, okay, that's it, I'm done, right? A finish line hear me this but 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 actuality what it really is all our regrets are meant to be i think it's why god gave us the emotion actually that emotion a starting line regret is meant to give us kind of this 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 motivation i can do things differently i can make things right journalist katherine schultz she put it this way she said regret doesn't remind us that we did badly but it was meant here's what it was meant for it was meant to remind us that we can do better And and when we begin to get that it's not a finish line, it's a starting line, actually we begin to see regret as something. You know what? This is something that can launch me forward into a better future. This can actually help me grow closer to God. The very last thing, okay, that Jesus says then to Peter, before he leaves that charcoal fire, he just says, he says these two words to him. He says, Peter, follow me. You wanna start over, you follow me. And see, that's exactly the invitation we're gonna offer you. If you'll begin to become a christ Follower, he will lead you in this journey where you can start over again no matter what your regrets over the next several weeks here's where we're going to take you on this One one of the things we're going to do we're going to talk about how to recognize your regrets for a lot of us part of the reason we have a hard time dealing with it is because we've been hiding it we've been running from it some of us we've been ruminating over it over and over again but what we need to do is recognize it head on we're going to talk about that next week Two weeks from now, then we're gonna talk, move on, we're gonna talk about, this is gonna be so important, releasing your regrets. This has so much to do with forgiveness. Forgiving others, forgiving yourself. And in, in, a, in a way we'll get into, maybe even kind of forgiving God. But it's about forgiveness. I want, I want every one of you to be here for that week when we talk about releasing your regrets. And then maybe the most powerful week is gonna be the, the week where we talk about redeeming your regrets. It's kind of a Bible word, but what it means is your plan B. So many of us, we're living our lives, this isn't plan A, this is kind of plan B. But God can make it plan A. Or maybe it's actually not plan B, but it's plan C, D, F, <laughs> G, you know. But he can still, because he's God, he can make it plan A. He has a purpose. He still has a purpose for you. And then the last week, we're gonna wrap it all up and tell you some amazing stories of how people have overcome regrets. Here, I wanna do something a little different today, and I think hopefully this will be a moment that'll really mark our spiritual journeys. I wanna ask every one of us in a moment here, not yet, but in a moment, so every one of us who have, a, have regrets, big, small, past, present I'm going to ask you to, to stand up and i want to ask uh, then I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer for you um, Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, he explained life this way and I love this quote, he said this brilliant guy, he said life can only be understood backwards, right <laughs> but kind of unfortunately we have to live it forwards when we look backwards over our life yeah, there's regrets of action, inaction reaction but I want this to be a moment where we choose to move forward and say, I will not be stuck in regret because I know God loves me. He's confirming that relationship and God wants to use me. He's confirming my purpose. All right. As you know, I'm already standing. All right? Yeah. Those regrets. Those regrets. And if you have a regret, big or small, past or present, and you want to start over, Um, And I'd love the opportunity for me to pray for you and for us to pray together. I'm gonna ask you just to rise to your feet. Just to rise to your feet. And I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. And I think think it'll be helpful for us and with everybody else's eyes closed, head bound, for us to be specific. And if your regret's a relational regret, where you wished you had loved better or candle, you wish you'd been better loved. If that's your regret, a relational regret, just, just kind of right up to your side, just raise your hand right now. Go ahead and raise your hand. Maybe for some of you, and maybe there's more than one, maybe it's health-related. Maybe you wish you'd taken better care of yourself, or maybe there's things that are going on in your life that you're going to let you struggle with, kind of why questions, why it happened to you. If your regret relates to your kind of your health, just raise your hand. You can go ahead and put them down. Maybe, maybe for some of us too. I think it'd be good for us just to acknowledge if it's a financial regret, you wish you'd been smarter about money. You wish you'd made different decisions. Your regrets kind of, it's just a financial regret that you can't hardly let go of. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Or maybe your regret leads to purpose in life. You wish you'd taken a different path or given your life to a bigger cause but your, your, relate, your, your regret relates to purpose. If that's the case, just go ahead and just raise your hand. Go ahead and put your hand down. Maybe, let me give you a couple more. Maybe for some of you it's a spiritual regret. You've taken steps that have led you away from God or maybe you just wish you would have given God a bigger place in your life. If your regret is kind of that kind of a spiritual regret, just go ahead and raise your hand. Let me just say this to Maybe Whether your, your regret fits into one of those categories, or maybe some other. If you would like to start a journey of starting over, going, yeah, I need to start over and I want to start over today. Just go ahead and raise your hand. All right, I want to pray a prayer and ask God to speak to you the same way that he spoke to Peter over that charcoal fire lord jesus right now we come to you this morning and we walked into this building carrying our past regrets and lord i would pray that you would start a work in each of us today that may today be a, the starting line for a brand new story glory lord, lord a, a story that goes beyond our regrets And God, I pray for every person here today who wants to start over. I pray that we would hear your still small voice inside us saying, I love you regardless. Let us hear you saying, I have a plan for you and a purpose for you. Lord, I pray that we would find the courage to start over knowing that you love us relentlessly and you have a calling and a purpose in our life. And I would pray that that we would more clearly see a vision for how you want to redeem our regrets. Lord, help every one of us to follow you on this journey of constantly starting over. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.